It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Wow. Where are the gibbos? Where are you? You guys out the back there. How about mate 64? Hooli dooly. I was only a baby. <laughs> How about we give these guys a standing ovation, hey? Come on, let's stand up 64. Standing ovation for two very special people. We love you guys, heaps. Hey, you are awesome. Bless you guys. You know, that's the example of what we're talking about, hey? It's about being all in. Um, Yeah, Jesus came along and he saw a bunch of guys and he said, you guys come and follow me. You know what? That would have been to those guys a massive privilege. It wasn't a, oh, no, I've got to go and follow this fella. In those days, a rabbi of authority would go and see people and you'd have to go through a whole series of um, interviews, and but Jesus came along and found some people who were just doing life and said, hey, come follow me. And that meant leave everything behind and you would follow behind Jesus. And these guys here, the Gibbs, have followed Jesus and they've been all in. And we want to go on a series with you, so thank you for inviting me again. I haven't been here since... The 2nd of October, I know that because it was my birthday, but that was the last time I was here. But it's great to come back, even though I nearly missed the turn off here. That's how bad it is. Um, But it's great to be here as we go into this series, or as you go into this series called All In. And I have the privilege of speaking about I'm Invited. But because it is the beginning of February and the Scorchers won last night, go to Scorchers, It's sort of like February is that change. There's something happens when you move from January to February. It's like up to now, we've all been talking about how we're going to move forward this year and all our New Year's resolutions and all the plans and all of a sudden February comes, school starts and life just gets going. And we change the way that we greet people. Have you noticed the way that we greet people? Generally, it's a, g'day, how are you? Or, what's happening? Or, how's life? Well, in January, the greeting usually follows something like, so how was your Christmas? How was your Christmas? Now, I'm glad you asked, because my Christmas was awesome. I love my Christmas. We have Christmas Day. All my boys, I've got four boys, and uh, they usually all turn up with their beautiful wives and their children, and we, it's great. We, we actually really enjoy Christmas Day. It's just fantastic. And we have, every year, the yearly, watch the seat, the yearly water bomb fight. 
and always is started by the head of the house. When he feels it is time to start, it starts. So I will usually get about 10,000 water blooms and we sneak around the side while people are just having a general conversation and all of a sudden I decide it's time to start. So we throw the water blooms. The grandkids get into it. The older people get into it. The girls get into it. The guys get into it. We have 40-year-olds climbing over the roof of the house to get a best position. If it really gets bad, we get the high-pressure sprayer comes out, right? It goes wild in my house. And if anyone goes inside, sorry, all rules have been broken. Because water bombs will go in the house. It takes me months. In fact, I've only just finished cleaning up the water bombs around my garden. The dog next door is going crazy. The people come out to take the dog inside. It is crazy at my house and I love it. I love it because everybody gets in. Everybody feels part of it. Everybody feels like this is for us. I mean, the grandkids, I mean, you've got two grown-up men having a fight in a puddle of water, um, still laughing. I mean, that's, that's got to be crazy. But I also discovered something. In my conversations over the last month, I've bumped into a lot of people who have looked at me and gone, wow, our Christmas wasn't like that. Our Christmas was pretty painful. Because, see... What's happened in a lot of families' gatherings is the skeletons come out of the closet. A lot of families where those, those unresolved issues of rejection are still there. I've heard a lot of families talking about how their Christmas, although they may have been with people, was pretty lonely. And in fact, were feeling a sense of rejection. You see, you can actually be in a crowd you can come from a big family. My family, we had a gathering together, my personal family. I think there was 130 of us together and there was 80 people missing. That's how big my family is, right? It's crazy. And that's just brothers and sisters um, with their children and some of their grandchildren. And there was, it was just crazy. But there were some people in my family who were still feeling lonely, even though the gathering was there. See, here is the truth. In our society today, we actually have this little epidemic, and that epidemic is called loneliness. It's called rejection. It's called that pain that we have inside because, you know what? I just want someone to know I'm here. See, the, the Australian Psychologi uh, Psychological Society decided to do a research on Australians to find out about loneliness. Here's some stats they came up with. They said one in four Australians feel a deep sense of loneliness. Even in this room, there could be people who on the outside look like they're connecting, but on the inside are feeling a sense of loneliness. Many Australians, especially younger Australians, report anxiety about socialising. Now, you might say, well, that's normal, peer group pressure, all that stuff. That's normal, but it's on the increase. That's the sad thing. 30% don't feel part of a group um, or, or um, a group of friends or family. 
lonely Australians have worse physical and mental health and are more likely to be depressed. Isn't that crazy? This is the lucky country we're talking about. This is Australia we're talking about. This is us we're talking about. We live in a society that feels lonely. 80% of people below 18 were recorded as feeling lonely or suffering from loneliness. 40% over 50. We're not even going to start with our seniors. Our seniors who are in homes by themselves with no family visiting them. Those are some of our people in nursing homes who don't have anyone to come and see them. That's crazy. This is Australia. This is the Australia that talks about community. Here's a, here's a situation. You can have situational loneliness. You could even have developmental loneliness. That's where you it's actually because of circumstances around you. You could have an internal loneliness. But whatever it is, it can cause depression. It can cause anxiety. It can cause us to respond with alcoholism, with, with, with addictions to pornography, to addictions to the internet, addictions to gambling. And this is what's on the rise in our society. Loneliness. See, right back in the garden, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what... I, Christians believe, right? We've got the Bible, we go back to the beginning and we believe that God created the heavens and the earth. And he made a whole bunch of animals and he even said there's a giraffe, yes, a weird shape, but we'll say that's good and we made that over there, that little pig, yep, that's good and we made the plants, that was good and then patting himself on the back kept saying that's good, that, that did a good job there. He decided to make man and when he made man, he made man in his own image and he went, man, that's not just good, that's really good. I mean, that was very good. And so he saw man hanging around and then he went, mm, maybe that's, mm, there's something wrong there. And he said the only thing that wasn't good for man was that he was alone. Man was alone. It's not good to be alone. You could have people in your workplace, you know that person that you got in your workplace or that in your family even, maybe in here, who tend to talk a lot, who, who, who need to be the centre of attention. Do you know what they're doing? They're crying out. I want to be accepted. I want to feel part of you. I, I've, I've seen people that will just push into conversations and try and take it over because really what they're saying is, can someone see me? Because... I'm feeling lonely. Well, see, God had the answer for loneliness in the garden. God said, I'll fix this. I'm going to make man a partner. I'm going to not just make any partner. This is partner that's going to help him to actually multiply. So he made the guy a woman. And so now there's the two of them. He fixed the problem by giving him a bride. See, God looks at the world and he sees the problem. And guess what his answer is? A bride. The bride of Christ. The church. 
Could it be that the church, if we were to be all in and following Jesus' ideals and ideas, that maybe we could be the answer to an epidemic called loneliness? That we could be the answer to that in our society which is growing called rejection? Could it be? And yet the sad thing I find is that most societies aren't rejecting Christianity, they're rejecting the church or they're rejecting what we have tried to explain as being what the Bible's about. I want to take you to a place where if we're going to be like Jesus, let's see what he does. I want to take you to a, gar- to a, a dinner party. Let's go back, right, a couple of thousand years, all the way back to Jerusalem. And we're going to go to a dinner party. Now, this wasn't any dinner party. This was a particular dinner party that had some interesting people around the table. The table was set so everybody could see. So it was probably outside in a bit of a courtyard, people walking past. And at this table, the invitation was given by a group called the Pharisees. Now, let me take you back to what's happening in that cultural time. If you were born in Jerusalem at that particular time and you were a Jewish um, person, you would go to school, which was usually the synagogue, and you would learn the Torah. You would let the Torah are the first four books of the Bible. They're all the law books. They're all the books about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. All the books that say this is in and that is out. That's what they learnt. And they went there and if you, by the age of 12, I think it was, you would have memorised those four books. Come on, have a go at that. I can't even remember the alphabet at that age. But they remembered the whole four books. And then you would graduate and you might go on and then you learn the whole of the Old Testament, including the prophets and the, and the Psalms, and you would learn those. And then what would happen if you were really wanting to have a career in this whole idea, you would be go to school even longer and at the age of 30 you would graduate as a rabbi of authority. And in that time you would actually come up with your observations of these rules that were written in the Torah. There was about 66 of them and you would not only memorise them but you would then have to interpret them. So keep the Sabbath day, uh, you've got to keep the Sabbath. Well, that means that if you pick your nose on the Sabbath, then that's working. You shouldn't do that, so don't pick your nose on the Sabbath, right? They came up with all these crazy interpretations of it. And they called that their yoke. It was their concept of teaching, and they called it a yoke. So with that, there were two groups that we find in that time of rabbis. There were the Pharisees and there were the Sadducees. The Pharisees sort of, they were the ones that that really focused on the rules and what you should and shouldn't do. So here we are, we're sitting at a table and a guy called Simon, who's a Pharisee, invites Jesus to sit at this table. We believe that this would have been early on in his, in his public ministry. So really the invitation was to come and sit at the table and let's have a discussion about how you see your interpretation. Let's hear what your teachings are like. 
So in one sense, you could say this is sort of like the rabbis um, and the Pharisees actually sitting and having an interview with Jesus to find out what his teachings are and seeing if we agree or disagree. That's what's happening at this crazy religious dinner, right? They're sitting at this table. And I want to take you to what happens at this table that shocked the religious people. And we pick it up if we go to Luke 7. And it says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman, or in some versions it says a sinful woman, from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. Man, there's a lot of tears in that, right? And she wiped them with her hair. That's embarrassing. You don't, women, do not let your hair down in public. That is just not culturally correct. But they did. She let her hair down and she wipes his feet. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Now, I don't want to, a lot of sermons talk about the alabaster jar and the expensive perfume, but I want to talk about the woman. We don't know who this woman is. We don't know her name. Some people have suggested it's Mary Magdalene. There's probably not enough proof on that. We don't know really what her background is. We just know she was immoral and that she was a sinner. Now, some have suggested, and it could be true, that she was a prostitute. Whatever it was, this lady was not accepted at that table. She was an outcast. She wasn't supposed to be there. She's walked in and she's disturbed, disturbed this, this dinner and she's gone and she's leant behind Jesus. Now, Jesus would have been sitting on the floor on his elbow. There was the meal table. They didn't have chairs. His feet sticking out here. She comes up behind him. She starts to cry. That tells me this lady is full of pain and emotion. Her rejection has caused her to pour out tears. So much so that they fall on Jesus' feet. And then she starts to wipe his feet with her hair. You could imagine what these religious people were thinking. So what was it? Just say this lady was a prostitute. Can I tell you? Prostitutes don't decide one day, you know what? I'd like a career in prostitution. It doesn't happen that way. See, she didn't go to year 10 um, at school and there was career day, right? And there's all these booths set up. There's the army, there's the navy, there's University of WA, there's the apprenticeship corner, and, there's the, and then there's this red one. <laughs> Prostitution. Come on down. And next to it is another one. It's a black one and it says drug addict. And there's another one that says people do not choose. They don't choose it. Life gets them there. See, I don't know what happened to this particular lady. Maybe she was raped as a child. Maybe she was abused. Maybe she, she has had a terrible marriage and she's been divorced and there's no 
There's no Centrelink in those days, so you've got to go and look after yourself, lady. Maybe her husband died and the rest of the family didn't fulfil their obligations and now she's out on her own with children and she's got to provide and all I've got to offer is my body. I spoke to a young girl um, down on our site, Teen Challenge site down in Esperance one day and we were just talking about her life and uh, she'd actually got involved in prostitution and she said, Steve, I'd been abused as a child most of my life. So I thought, well, if people are going to use my body up, I might as well get money for it. And then she went and got into drugs to get rid of the pain. See, people don't choose that. It happens. And this lady was in that situation where there was nothing she could do. Sad thing about that situation in that culture, a lot of the religious people used the prostitutes. And that's, that's hypocrisy. And here's this lady who's feeling rejected, who's feeling the pain, and she comes to Jesus. I can tell you now, we've got people in our society, maybe even people in this room, who are feeling the pain of rejection, the pain of abuse, the pain of of being let down, the pain of poverty. We've got people in our community that are feeling that, when we stop at the side of the road and we see a bloke holding up a sign saying, you know, homeless, give me some money, how much of our judgment goes through our head? Should I give the money? They're probably going to spend it on drugs. They probably, they probably don't even need it. They've probably got a home to go to. They're probably going to go down the road and buy pizza. Oh. What happened? Why did this lady step into that situation? I wonder if before, and it's possibly true, that she might have been sitting on the outskirts one day and heard this rabbi talking. And maybe she heard the rabbi say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I would give you rest. My yoke is not heavy. In other words, my teaching isn't hard work. Or maybe the way that Eugene Peterson put it in the message when he wrote Matthew eleven twenty eight, his interpretation, I love it. It goes like this. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? That's possible. And here's the invite. Here is the invite. This is my invite. This is your invite. Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Get all in with Jesus. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. There's a promise right there. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I need to hear that. What if you need to hear that? It's an invitation from the King of Kings, from the Lord of Lords, from God himself. Come to me. You're feeling struggling at the moment? Come to him. Come to him. His invite is to you. His invite is to fix up that sense of rejection and loneliness. And then listen what he says to this lady. It's so cool. right? The Pharisees are questioning him. He gives him a great little story to explain what he's about to do. Read it. And then it says, 
Verse 48, then Jesus said to the woman, your sins, sins are those things that separate us from God. Sins are the things that all those Pharisees were on about. That's sinful. You can't be accepted. And Jesus goes, you know that stuff that says you're not welcome? That's been forgiven. It's wiped out. Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She needed some peace, eh? She needed peace inside. She needed the peace. And he said, now you can go with that. Take this with you. Take this with you. I love that. Jesus' invite to you and I is come to him. His invite to the hurting and the broken in society is come to me. His, his invite to those that you know in your workplace, come to me. But I want to give you a second invite. This is a really important invite. A couple of days ago, I met a, a guy for the first time, uh, becoming sort of building a new friendship. And he says, ah, oh, Steve, you, you, you were up at that church in Kalamunda for a long time, hey? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's true. And he goes, um, my wife actually lived in that area. She wasn't from a believing family. And she had a radical engagement with God. And she ended up wanting to follow Jesus. So she thought she'd go to a church. And she turned up at your building one day and sat on the steps. And she sat there, and she sat there trying to work out if she was allowed to go in. Pardon? She sat there, was uncertain that she was allowed to come in. Do, do we live in a society where people are wondering about whether they can come in to church? That, that because of the way that we've presented, because of how we've presented to society, people ask the question... Can I come in? I, I have bumped into too many people, too many people. And I hear the stories over and over again. Ah, oh, I don't mind God, but the church? You know, I don't mind God, but you know that, that I, was, I was married in a church and, and I went to the church and, and, and then we got divorced and the church made us feel like we weren't, we'd done the wrong thing. Girls who have had sex before marriage, and the guys did too, but the girls end up having the baby, and the baby, then you are rejected because you have a child out of wedlock. And you say that's, that's true. I can tell you, I'll give you five names right now of girls who have felt like that. People who are struggling with their, their question with their sexual identity and the church doesn't know how to handle it and so we reject them. And yet Jesus is going, bring them to the table. Bring them to the table. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. There was a lady that came to our church. Her name was, beautiful name, you might remember her, Dorothy. Uh, Doreen, sorry, Doreen, not Dorothy. Her name was Doreen. And Doreen used to be in my church previously before that which was in a much lower socioeconomic area and uh 
<laughs> and she decided to come up to Kalamunda. And she walked in and she was, uh, she was pretty rough around the edges, right? She, she was a big lady and um, she drank a fair bit and she smoked a fair bit and, and she had the tattoos and she never wore shoes. You could see that. And she walked into the church at Kalamunda. She walked in and people didn't even look at that. And they welcomed her and they visited her and they went and, they went and brought her up to church and they got her involved. And she said to me a little while later, she said, Steve, I came here. I've been to other churches and told because I had no shoes on. I needed to find shoes. I said, that's rubbish. She's true. And she said, but Kalamunda accepted me as part of the family. Isn't that what it's supposed to be about? There was a guy, and uh, the Gibbs would remember this, back in the 1960s, 70s, a guy by the name of Chuck Smith. And he was very revolutionary. He started the, what was known as Calvary Chapel. And Calvary Chapel started to really reach the, uh, the generation at that time. And they started a very contemporary style of church, which we actually have inherited today. And it was those times of some of the singers who were ex-hippies and, and uh, marijuana smokers and, and people like um, Keith Green and David Meese and all those names that we don't hear of much anymore. These guys started a pour in these hippies in the it was the whole big Jesus movement was happening amongst the the um, the hippies at that stage and they started coming to church and of course they were hippies and they came to church and the church grew and it grew and it grew to the place where they decided that we nearly need to replace the carpet and the chairs so they did they put new carpet in they put new chairs in and there was a sign outside the church as people walked in no bare feet. But Chuck ripped that sign down. I actually rewrote this, read the story just uh, yesterday. He ripped that sign down and uh, one of the elders said, what are you doing? He, and he was ripping the carpet up and he said, and this was his words, let me read it to you. He says, well, if this carpet is going to keep these kids from coming to church, we're just going to get rid of this carpet. Oh, it's a great thought. But here's the challenge to you and to me. What carpets do I need to rip up? What carpets have I put down that would stop people from coming to Jesus? What concepts, what opinions, what stuff am I picking up on the internet that's telling me about how bad the world is and how bad this is? What things have I put into place that are stopping people who need Jesus come to him? What carpets do we need to pull up? Here's the invite. Here is your invite. This is my invite. I'm invited to follow Jesus by allowing people to come to him. And that's your challenge today as we start this series, as you start this series. Would we be prepared to rip some carpets up? Because Jesus is wanting to reach out to those who are lonely and lost and needing you and me because you were put here on earth for them. Let's pray. Father, I just want to pray right now for those in this room who've felt the pain of rejection, 
who have felt the pain or maybe even still carrying some of that, still carrying that shame and that guilt deep down. God, Holy Spirit, would you just put those words out right now? Come to me. You're accepted. You are welcome. You, I've got the doors right open right now for you to walk through if only you would come. And God, I want to pray for us as your children, as your church, would you give us your heart? Thank you for the invitation. I'm invited to do what you want us to do, which is reach out to those who are hurting, rejected, lost and lonely. Amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.